You are listening to Rumination Tuesday Law and Gospel on this December the 14th in the year of our Lord 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me will be Mark Smith as we take a look at the hymn that we want to take a look at for today. And what is that hymn? O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And that's O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And that is really the last hymn in the hymnal for Advent. It is a hymn that was put together by the Episcopalian Church because it has antiphons to it. And there are a number of antiphons. The one in our hymnal are six of them. And they were used in the Roman church no later than the 8th century. And each of the antiphons is actually a divine title followed by a description of the Son related to the title and the petition to come. And where did they get these antiphons? They got them from the Old Testament. These are the titles of Jesus from the Old Testament. It's assigned to daily vespers, and it's the Song of Mary from Luke chapter 1, 46 to 55. When you sing it, it is followed by an antiphon, a single verse that connects the Magnificat with the Holy Day being observed. And this occurs during the seven days before the eve of the nativity. These antiphons, as we said, were in use. There's seven of them, but they got up to 12. And the titles of each one was Wisdom, Lord, Jesse, David, Dayspring, King, and God with us. 
So, Okamakam Emmanuel, what do you think of this, Pastor Smith? Yeah, uh, it's a, well, of course, it's a beloved hymn for Advent, and it was sung. It was, I guess, it was sung on the la- the last week of Advent, the se- last seven days of Advent. Those Correct. seven antiphons. Yes, I've never used them. Have you? Uh, not, you know, not, not to the point where I really, really, really concentrated on them. You know, they, they come, a lot of them come from, uh, Isaiah, uh, what is it? Is it 11? Isaiah 11, 1 to 5, and then 10 to 11. Well, there's seven of them. That's a basis for a lot of them. They're, uh, uh, actually titles of Jesus. Yes. So you got a hymn with seven verses, and then after each verse, depending on the day of Advent, and I guess that's because some churches have Advent every day, you go ahead and do one of the antiphons. We're going to concentrate on the hymn itself. So if you would read the first stanza. I sure will. O come, O come, Emmanuel. And ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. So the word come is the second word in every verse. Why is that? Well, that's because it's Advent. That's exactly. that's what Advent is about. Advent is about the coming of our Lord. Yes. And in the antiphon, what they do, the last part of each one of them is him coming on the day of judgment. Yes. So we've got a number of comings of Jesus. We have the one everybody knows about, the Bethlehem stable. Right. And you have his coming into your heart at conversion. Then you have his coming on judgment day. Then you have his coming. In fact, it's part of the reading of Palm Sunday in Advent. And so, and there are some other comings that you could deal with about Jesus coming. He comes to us through the word and sacrament. Yes. I was going to just say, it's not us going to Jesus. It's him coming to us. Right. And why do we know that this is Jesus? Well, it's Emmanuel. Uh, and what's that from? That means God with us. That's from Isaiah seven fourteen. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Uh, and it's, that's, it's interesting. Go ahead. Well, that's what Mary was told by Gabriel. That's right. And Emmanuel means what? Emmanuel means God with us. That's exactly what Jesus is. God himself taking on human flesh and dwelling, tabernacling with us. (laughs) What do you mean tabernacling? Well, the the tabernacle, of course, was uh, previous to the temple. And it was a way of God manifesting his presence on this earth to the people of Israel, particularly during their wilderness wandering. 
and even a little bit and after that. Um, he tabernacled with us. It's like what Jesus said. Uh, what Jesus said to his adversaries: "Destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up again." And he wasn't talking about the temple, uh, the, the building there in Jerusalem. He was talking right. about the temple of his body. He's well he's, said. He's the real temple. Yes, his body. So until he comes, the first verse, we're mourning in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. What does that mean? Well, there's an earnestness about this uh, hymn. You know, it's it's like uh, it has kind of a somber tone to it. The, the music does, at least. And Oh come, oh come! It's it's there's a real earnest there. We can't wait for his coming. It's uh, you know it can kind of be, uh, kind of be compared to the earnestness of of kids looking forward to Christmas. They just can't wait. Uh, we can't wait till he comes to us. Well, Israel could not wait until the the promised, the long promised Savior, the Messiah, would come to them to to save them, and we really are. We're, we have that same earnestness about us in our waiting for his second coming. We and really that was can't true. wait. And that was true about John the baptizer and Simeon and Anna. Yeah, right. You know, they were waiting and saw him. I'll read yes, Simeon too. Yes. Oh, okay. come thou, O wisdom from on high, who orderest all things mightily. To us the path of knowledge show, and teach us in her ways to go. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. Now, notice that you have a feminine. Yes. Where it says, and teach us in her ways. Why feminine? Well, you know, that's interesting. It comes from... Uh... Uh, it talks about the wisdom, the, yes. the real wisdom, the wisdom from on high is, of course, Jesus. But yes. wisdom is wisdom, and I don't know why, but it's it's personified in the scriptures as as uh, as feminine. Where does that where is that passage in the Old Testament that talks about wisdom? The whole book of Proverbs. Yeah, there you are. Yes. In fact, you made a very good point that. There is no doubt that wisdom can be spelled in the Hebrew two different ways. And one of the ways with certain things attached to it shows it's being personified, which means it's talking about a person. Other times it's talking about the wise will of God. If you really want to know how God thinks, you go to the book of Proverbs which means kind of riddles and helps us to understand God and his insight. Somebody can read the Bible, you can have it memorized, but you don't understand the insights of the passages. And that's why it's really important to understand distinctions between law and gospel. That's which right. The first verse talks about that we don't go to Emmanuel he comes to us, and that would be the parable of the lost sheep. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Long gospel. Without long gospel, scripture is a closed book. You really, that really is the key to, uh, 
to wisdom. Yes. In fact, in Proverbs, it talks about a path. And that's what this verse talks about. To us, the path of knowledge. And knowledge is much more than information. It's really talking about understanding of specific wills of God that he reveals in the book of wisdom. And it's not the wisdom of man. It's the wisdom of God. All right, stanza three, please. O come, O come, thou Lord of might, who to thy tribes on, on Sinai's height in ancient times didst give the law in cloud and majesty and awe. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. And what historic event is that talking about? That's talking about Sinai, uh, the giving of the law uh, through Moses uh, on Mount Sinai. Yes. And that was uh, giving of the law, but not to get to heaven. In right. In fact, you don't obey the law to make God your God. The Exodus passage begins, I am the Lord your God. The evidence for it is I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And therefore, when you know me as your God, guess what? Here's my will for you. And that's the Ten Commandments. So the Ten Commandments are a result of becoming a believer. They're not the way to become a believer. No, it's, it's a guide for Christian living that God graciously gives us, but not a means of winning salvation. That's well said. Good distinction. And that guide is, of course, what we refer to as the third use of the law. It becomes second use, accusing us of failing to obey it. Romans 3 makes very clear that nobody can obey the, wall, the law because we fall short of the glory of God. So every other religion in the world, you're saved by obedience to the law, but not in Christianity. Okay, I'll read four. O come, thou branch of Jesse's tree, free them from Satan's tyranny that trust thy might power to save and give them victory over the grave. Then rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. What, what's this idea about the branch of Jesse's tree? Well, Jesse, of course, was the father of uh, the great King David. And uh, David, of course, is the ancestor of Christ. Uh, in fact, one of, the, one of the titles of the Messiah was Son of David. And, of course, remember how they, they called Jesus by that very name when he was coming uh, to uh, Jerusalem. Uh, that's, uh, he's, he's the David. He's David's greater son yes. and Lord. If you look at the antiphon for December the 20th, how does it read? December 20th, let's see here. Oh, 
O key of David and scepter of the house of Israel, you open and no one can close. You close and no one can open. Come and rescue the prisoners who are in darkness and the shadow of death. So you see how each antiphon is in a good comparison with the various verse. Right. That particular one. And we've got three more verses to go, three more antiphons. So, thou branch of Jesse's tree, that almost didn't occur. What's the book in the Bible that talks about how Jesse came about? Oh, um, the book of Ruth. Exactly. What, what happened there? Well, the book of Ruth, you know, uh, Ruth was a Moabite and yes. uh, yeah, from from a pagan land, a, a land where they actually sacrificed uh, uh, children. And uh, and yet she she insisted on following her mother, Naomi, back to Bethlehem. And uh, she said, uh, your people will be my people. Your God shall be my God. And she yes. was grafted in. In uh, not only made a believer, but she was actually made the ancestress of the Christ, of David, and also the Christ. Who'd she marry? She married Boaz. Exactly. So the whole book of Ruth isn't really there for marriage so much, about your God will be my God, although a lot of people use that passage. It's really how Jesus continues the line to himself. Apart from Ruth, the line would have been broken. And That's right. all of us would not have been saved. That's right. All right. It's also, it's also how it's also a, a wonderful story how this how this pagan woman was uh, one of God's elect. Yes. And when we talk about his elect, that means from before the foundation of the world, she had been chosen. And right. just like Mary had been chosen to be the mother of our Lord. Right. Okay. The idea of David continues in stanza five. O come, thou key of David, come, and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high, and close the path to misery. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. So, this is again fitting in with the key of David, scepter of the house of Israel. It says, open wide our heavenly home. We've got a doctrine in the Christian church that's part of the catechism called the keys. Yes. Can you explain that? The office of the keys. Yes. Uh, uh, Jesus gave his church the office of the keys. That is uh, uh, the, the authority to open the Open, open the gate of heaven through the gospel to those who are penitent, and to close uh, those uh, to close those that gate to those who are impenitent and yes. don't believe. Exactly. In fact, I like you said he gave us the authority. Where do you use that word on Sunday morning? 
oh, by the authority, let's see, in the absolution. As a called and ordained servant of the word, I announce the grace of God unto you, and in the stead and by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I make a big point that I don't have any power to forgive sins, but I have the authority to do so because God has given us the authority. When did he do that with his disciples, giving them the authority to uh, forgive sins, to open and close heaven. Let's see, the Great Commission? Yes. Yep. And that was the time when whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted. remitted. Yeah. And, and Tom, I make sins... the... Em- I make the... You, you talk about you making uh, the emphasis. I also make the emphasis on the fact that all your sins, all your sins are forgiven in fact, all of your sins were washed away when you were baptized. Even the last sin you commit on your last dying day, it's all been washed away in your baptism. And, yes. and in absolution, we're reminding the people of that. Then how come if the sins of everybody have been, has been washed away, have been washed away, how come everybody doesn't go to heaven? Because, uh, because if, if they don't believe it. They don't accept it. It's it's an offering. It's an offer that's made to to everybody. Everybody, Christ reaches out to all. But if he's not going to force this gift of salvation on on anybody, if they if they don't believe it, they don't accept it. They're they're not forced into his kingdom. All righty, I'll read stanza six. O come, thou day spring from on high, and cheer us by thy drawing nigh. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night, and death's dark shadows put to flight. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. Now, you know my question to you. What is day spring? Well, I would say that's the dawn. I'm reminded of that verse, the sun of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. Uh, it, it, the day spring is like the dawn, the dawn of his uh, of his uh, appearing, uh, his appearing and his righteousness. It's uh, it disperses the gloomy clouds of night, you know, and and death's dark shadows. All of that is 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 cast away by uh, the Son of Righteousness, Jesus Christ, when he when he appears. He's like he's like that beautiful beautiful dawn, the sunrise. Uh, of his appearing. And it actually is explained in Antiphon for December 21, if you would read that. Sure. O dayspring, splendor of light, everlasting, come and enlighten those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. So that's what the church is all about. Oh, absolutely. To go into the darkness of people's unbelief and tell them about the light of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he speaks of himself as being the light of the world. That's found in a number of places in the New Testament. And, and the, the resurrection is also loud and clear in that, Tom. It's a, it's a tribute to, uh, you know, he, he is, he's the, 
the cause of our resurrection, his own resurrection on Easter and our own resurrection on the last day. Exactly. Where it says the shadow of death, of course, would be our earthly death, but then we have the resurrection that we've already been risen from the dead, according to Ephesians, and in Christ on the day of judgment, we will have our bodies risen from the dead to rejoin with our spirits that are already in heaven. That is right. All right, stanza seven. O come, desire of nations, bind in one the hearts of all mankind. Bid thou our sad division cease, and be thyself our king of peace. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. So what is the sad divisions that need to cease? Well, you, you could just take your pick of so many divisions. Look, look at, for instance, how divided our nation is. Look how divided we are against each other. Look how we're... Uh, uh you know we're we're divided ethnically we're divided uh racially we're divided uh of course uh even even the church even the church at large has its own share of of divisions although all true believers make up the holy christian church uh so it crosses de- denominational lines there but but there is still division in this world and of course those divisions will cease we uh, the the greatest division that will cease is the division between us and God. We are reconciled now back to the Father, but but even the divisions that that still exist because of sin and and strife, those will be gone. Yes, I'm really glad you said the biggest division. Remember what the word of Jesus was on the night of the resurrection. The very first word he said to the disciples: "Peace, Peace. be unto you." Yes. And that was, we are now reconciled to God the Father because of the suffering death of Jesus Christ, who actually paid the price for our sins. That's really good news. So are you using this hymn Sunday? No, I've already used it already during Advent. Uh, I use it often for uh, a distribution hymn. That's because good. it is rather lengthy, but yes. uh, I, I no, I the emphasis for this Sunday, Tom is uh, is actually going to be uh, Micah five two, uh, Bethlehem. Okay, all right. Well, thank you very much, Pastor Mark Smith. As we went over, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Uh, take an opportunity if you have children, and they may be singing it this Sunday to explain to your child the meaning of this. And on tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we're going to continue with a study of the book of Proverbs. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. 
Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.